Amen. Would you show your appreciation to Pastor Hector and the team for leading us week in and week out? So good. So, so good. Y'all doing all right this morning? Good Thanksgiving? Anybody gain the typical eight to 10 pounds over this week? Not afraid to admit it. Did you remember to set your scales back before the week started? Did you do that? Man, we had an incredible week. Got to hang out with family. Absolutely loved it. Uh, one of the things that I love about hanging out with family is my mom is a great storyteller. She's, she's a lot of fun when she tells stories. Some of the stories, I don't know if they're actually true or not. Uh, parents sometimes remember stuff about your childhood that you don't even remember. I'm like, I don't know if that's accurate, but it's still funny. But as she was describing, she was asking Laura if uh, she ever does any Black Friday shopping. Did any of y'all brave that? Did y'all do Black Friday shopping? Did you see crazy folks out there? Did you cut anybody off? Did you yell at anybody? Did you at least take the Sugar Hill Church sticker off your car before you did that? Did you do that? So my mom was talking about uh, Black Friday when she went years and years ago where she was at some toy store and there was some doll, I forget what it was called, that was the thing of the year that every kid wanted. And so she went out to get it and there was two other adults that were fighting over the last one. They literally ripped it in half. Like, happy Thanksgiving, right? I mean, it's, it's so funny. We have this week where we celebrate, hey, we have a lot to be thankful for. In fact, I was talking to Carol Lee, who I get to serve with here at the church between services, and she was talking about how her family just went around the table and they talked about what they were thankful for. She was talking about how meaningful that was. But really, in the middle of the season, there's that part of us where we sing songs like this one that says, God, you are more than enough for me. Yet, there's that gravitational pull inside of us that always says we want more, right? Don't, don't you sense that, right? In a season of gratitude, in a season of we've got so much to be thankful for, Yet inside of us, even though we know that in our head, inside of us, there's still this pull that comes from what I call a scarcity mindset. A scarcity mindset is this, no matter how much we're blessed with, and I think we'd agree if we look around this room, we've been blessed. No matter how much we're blessed with, here's what happens when we have a scarcity mindset. Everything that we have comes from God, but then we consume that thing, whatever that is, whatever that Black Friday sale was, whatever that Cyber Monday thing is you're already planning on, whatever that thing is, right? Everything we have comes from God. Then we consume whatever that thing is that we thought would make us happy. But in the end, maybe it's a minute later, maybe it's a week later, a month later, that thing that was so great now doesn't bring any fulfillment to you. And so then we have this need, right? We've got this sense of emptiness. And what the scarcity mindset does is when I fill this need for something more, I just consume even more. It's a mentality. It's this vicious cycle of everything comes from God, but I'm going to use it for myself. And when I still feel empty, I'm still going to use even more for myself. And it's this downward spiral where we always, 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 always want more. And one of the reasons this is so challenging is when we walk into Christmas this next month, there's the sense that Christmas ought to be about serving and it ought to be about giving, yet inside of us, there's that gravitational pull for more. And so this morning, I thought about opening our message by asking you the question, how does it feel to be rich? And I think that would have been an interesting question because honestly, most of us, I don't think, realize how rich we really are. And so I looked up some stats just to give us a perspective because usually when we think about richness, we, we compare ourselves to other people. But listen to a few of these stats. Um, if you have a car that you drive, you're among the six to 9% wealthiest people within the world. Think about that. If you have a car that you drive, you're in the top 10%. 
If you make more than $37,000 a year, you're within the top, get this, 4% of the world. Now, in Gwinnett County, if you look at our median income, for a lot of folks, 37000 would feel like it's less than they currently make. But if I were to give somebody else around the globe a $37,000 raise, they would, that would make them unbelievable, the top 4% of the world. And so whether we realize it or not, regardless if you make that thirty-seven or not, we are still rich. In fact, here's a few stats. If you have a place in your house that you can park your car, you're rich. If that place that you could park your car is full of boxes from stuff that you can't put anywhere else, you're rich. Right? If you have enough clean water that during the summer you sprinkle it on the dirt outside your house, you're rich. If you have so much clean water that you put it inside a toilet with your waste, you're rich. Do you realize there are people around the world that can't fathom having that much water that would use it for waste? Now, I'm not saying that just because we're rich, we don't have problems. We definitely do have problems. We have slow Wi-Fi this morning here at the church. (laughs) We have internet issues at home when I was streaming some of the rivalry games yesterday. It was buffering, holy cow, right? And so what I want to do this morning is I just want to be super practical. Uh, Over the last couple weeks, Pastor Chuck has been talking about this wrap it up idea. And if you've been around here for several years, this is no surprise to you that we believe that as God's people, we're meant to be generous. We believe that. That's one of our values. In fact, if you look at our values on the website, and if you do look at our values on the website, you'd be one of the three people that has actually clicked that. But if you were to do that, one of our values is to live lives with open hands, We believe scripture when it talks about that it's better, more blessed to give than it is to receive. We happen to believe that if you're a Christ follower, that you ought to be among the most generous people on the planet. Why? Because God modeled that. God gave everything. God didn't hold back. He didn't didn't sort of get by. We serve a generous God. And so because of that, we want to be a generous church. And so a couple of weeks ago, when we kicked off this sort of mini series about generosity, Pastor Chuck on that first Sunday talked about, this is why we do what we do. And he gave amazing stats, amazing stats of children that are being reached, teenagers that are being reached, churches that are being planted, lives that are being rescued. It was unbelievable. It was like when I walked out of here, I was thinking, man, I want to give to that. So what I want to do this morning is not just talk about why, but I want to talk about, well, how do you do that? How do you do that? In a practical way, how do you live a life of generosity? What does that actually look like? Because there's that tension, I think, in all of us where we'd say, hey, I want to be a generous person. I don't want to be a taker. I want to be a contributor. I believe that God's church ought to be the most generous place on the planet. I believe that Sugar Hill ought to be different. I think the world ought to be different because of the life of God working in and through the people here in our dear church. The question is, well, how do you do that? How do you do that? Before I dive in, let me just read you a couple of verses. And then if you've got one of these handouts, I'm going to invite you to find the, the uh, message notes section on the back and jot down just a couple of these things this morning. Because honestly, there's a lot of us that are in that scarcity mindset. We're good people. We want to be generous people. But in our hearts, we have the scarcity mindset. And the way that you break that cycle isn't by just talking about it. The way that you break that cycle isn't by living into it. The way that you break that cycle is by doing the opposite 
and being generous. Here's what Paul said. Paul wrote to his young protege in faith, and he writes this in 1 Timothy 6 about generosity. He says in verse 17, he says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. He's like, hey, you're going to be around some rich people that have more than enough. Teach them not to be selfish, not to be haughty, haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. And they certainly are uncertain, right? Sometimes the, some of the most heartbreaking stories that I hear are people that put their hope in how much they could produce and then, then it was gone. He's saying, Timothy, look, tell them not to put their hope in uncertain riches, but instead, listen to what he says in verse 17, put their hope on God. Why? He goes on to say, it is God who richly provides us with everything that we enjoy. I guarantee you there are some rich people that are like, hello, I'm working hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. You may be working hard, but still everything you enjoy comes from God. Listen to what he says in verse 18. Here's what they're to do. They are to do good. They're to be rich in good works. They're to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as good foundations for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. He's saying, look, when you're around people that have more than enough, when you're around people that maybe don't even think they're rich, Timothy, here's what you do. Tell them that everything they have comes from God. Tell them not to put their hope in riches, but to do good and to do good works. Well, how do we do that? There's a lot of different ways to give. So if you have the handout today, let me give you three simple ways. Again, this is just meant to be practical. This is meant to be helpful. And the first way that we can be generous and the first way that we can give with open hands instead of closing our fists and saying, it's about me. How do we give with open hands? The first way is number one, to give spontaneously. To give spontaneously. This is when you're not necessarily planning on it. This is when it's not necessarily in the budget. This is when it wasn't necessarily on your radar, but there is a need that you see and something stirs inside of you and you begin to say, I can do something about that. That's spontaneous giving. It's powerful. In scripture, we see a lot of examples of this, but one of them, if you want to write this down, is found in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. This is the story, this is the teaching about the Good Samaritan. When this lawyer in the crowd asks question, hey, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes on to talk about neighbors and he tells the story. If you don't know the story, it's about this Jewish guy that's traveling down the road. He's on his way somewhere and he gets mugged by somebody. He gets beat up, he gets, he gets left for dead, he's bruised, he's battered, he's on the side of the road. You remember the story, right? And as he's laying there on the side of the road, several people pass by, several of whom are religious people. And so these different religious people come up to this guy that has a massive need. He's basically left there to die. And do you remember what they do in the story? They end up crossing the road to the other side. Now, there's a lot of debates about why they did that. Was it justified? All of this stuff. But they saw this need. They're like, I don't have time. I can't get my hands dirty. I'm on my way to something that I've got to be clean. Whatever that is. And every single time they cross over on the other side and they just keep moving. But then, so Jesus is telling this story and Jesus says, but a Samaritan shows up. 
Now, this is a big deal. If, if you were in the crowd that day, you would have known that Jewish people and Samaritans, they don't hang out. Samaritans are basically the outcasts. And so you don't, you, they don't really mingle at all. So Jesus is telling the story and it's shocking that the Samaritan shows up. And then it's even more shocking that he becomes the hero of the story. So the Samaritan shows up and he sees this need and he doesn't walk on the other side of the road like the religious people did. He gets down on his hands and his knees. He helps this guy. He, he binds up his wounds. He puts him up on his donkey. He takes him to a local hotel. He says to the innkeeper, hey, look, I got to keep traveling, but here's enough money to take care of this guy for a couple of days. I'm going to be passing back through. If you spend more money, I'm going to pay you back. He's a guy that saw a need and said, I can meet that need. And the people in that crowd, when they heard Jesus say that, would have been shocked by it. The Samaritan didn't get up and say, you know what, today I'm going to see somebody beat up on the road and I'm going to reach out to him. No, no, no. He didn't necessarily plan that, but he got up and he realized everything I have comes from God. I'm grateful that God has given it to me. And so God, if there's a need that I can meet, sign me up. That's a great way to give, to give spontaneously. And we've seen that a lot in our church. If you've been around here this fall, we've gotten to celebrate spontaneous giving in a, in, a, in a big way. There's just a few examples. One of them is back in October, just a little over a month ago, we had what I call a Care for AIDS Sunday. So if you've been around here, uh, we've been partnering with a church in West Kenya, in a little town called Kasumu, and we've been partnering with Nylinda Baptist Church. Nylinda Baptist Church. In fact, they worshiped just a few hours ago, and they are amazing but over the last six years, every year, we've been able to help 80 patients that have HIV or AIDS. They represent more than 500 people over these last six years, many of them uh, being nursed back to health, many of them putting their faith in Christ for the very first time, many of them finding the hope in the life of Jesus Christ, just like we would hope would happen here in Sugar Hill. They're experiencing it in Kenya because our church has a heart for that and has built that into the budget. But let me just be honest with you. There was a season when we wondered, hey, do our folks even appreciate that? Because honestly, it's one of those things that was in the budget, but not, not if you're new around here, you didn't really know that that was happening. You just assumed that whenever you gave to the budget, it just went to stuff in this room or to the power bill or whatever. You didn't realize that it was earmarked to help other people as well. And so we we're like, all right, let's just put it to a test. So last month, we we're like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give people an opportunity to give directly to this cause that we feel like it's a meaningful thing. We feel like when Jesus said that we're to start in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the world, this is our chance to be part of the uttermost part of the world. So let's put it before our people and see what they do. Now, I got to be honest, I showed up nervous because I've been to Kenya three or four times I've seen these people eyeball to eyeball. I've been in their home. I've seen them when they're really sick. I see them once they've been through the program and they're really well. I've seen the joy. I've seen the gospel at work in their community. And honestly, I showed up lacking faith. I was worried that when we gave the opportunity to give, that it would barely happen. Can I just be honest with you? My mind was blown. Because after that Sunday, within the seven days of that Sunday, you guys gave over $26,000 towards that cause. Man, that'd be an okay time to celebrate. Can we do that? Can you just, yeah, 26? Are you kidding me? 
Are you kidding? $26,000 says we care about the 80 families that are starting this month in that program. And because of that, at the end of August, Lord willing, we're going to be able to take a team and we're going to be able to go over to Kasumu and we're going to be able to be in the room when those 80 families finish the program and they don't just get by for a year. They have 25 plus years added to their life because you guys, we gave spontaneously. I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another great example of this, another great example is we're like, all right, that's great around the world, but what about at home? And so uh, the PATH Project, if you weren't in here at the beginning of the service and saw the video, you need to check it out online. We're going to post it on our Facebook page at the PATH Project, a community less than a mile here from our church where the dropout rate without help is ginormous. Over 80% of folks probably won't make it through high school. And the stats are staggering that if somebody doesn't graduate, all the other things that tend to happen to those folks that fall within that category is just as heartbreaking. And so we had this opportunity to get involved in one of our local communities and provide after-school tutoring and and, and walk through life from from a very physical but to a spiritual way as well. And and so we believed that it was something God wanted us to do, but to be honest, we didn't have it in the budget to do it. Or like, it's one thing to write it in the budget, but it's another thing to have the cash to back it up. We're like, we don't know how this is gonna happen, but we believe there's more blessed to give than to receive. So we're gonna go on record and we're gonna commit our church to say, hey, we wanna be part of making a difference in our own community. And because of folks within our church that have said, we want to give to that, it's, it's been unbelievable, right? There's one family that gives absolutely sacrificially to that cause. There's another person within our church whose company is owned by Christian owners and they see that everything they have comes from God. And so every month or so when they've got profits, they, they take a tithe from that profit and say, we want to put it back into God's ministry. And because, if it wasn't for people that gave spontaneously, I have no idea how the PATH Project would have launched. But I was talking to the founder, Pastor Chuck and I were meeting with them a couple of weeks ago and I asked the question, how was the launch of this particular uh, path project in our community? They're like, it couldn't have gone better. Man, spontaneous giving is very, very powerful. Man, when you see a need that you, 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 you say, God, I, I didn't necessarily plan for it. I didn't necessarily see it coming. I, it wasn't something that I sought out. But when I see a need and you stir my heart, God, I want to give to that need. That is amazing. But I would say this, we shouldn't stop there. We shouldn't stop there. If I'd be honest, most of the giving that happens in our church happens spontaneous. It's important, it's necessary, it's amazing, but it's not sustainable. And so number one, we need to give sporadically. We would give spontaneously. We'd say, hey, God, there's a need. God, I, I want to meet that need. We did that when it came to hurricanes as well. I mean, I remember when the hurricanes rolled through first in Texas, then in South Florida, and then, uh, then to the Bear Islands and all of this. And we were asking the question, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Do we, do, do we rent trucks? Do we buy a lot of water? Do we drive it across the country? And what we found is that we actually have a partner in Convoy of Hope that's been doing this for a long, long time. And they're actually able to get water donated to them. And so when we give to them, it's able to go even further than we could do on our own. And so we put the need in front of our folks and we gave spontaneously over $20,000 towards hurricane relief. It's powerful. It's powerful. 
So I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that number one, we can give spontaneously. Not only that, number two, if you're taking notes, spontaneous giving is great, but I would encourage you to consider number two, to give strategically. To give strategically. Or as Bush would have said, strategery. You gotta give strategically. If you wanna take, write this scripture down, just write down Isaiah chapter 32, verse eight. Isaiah 32, verse eight, one of the, trans, the New Living Translations says this, generous people plan to do what is generous. I love that. Generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand on their generosity. See, sometimes when I hear stories like this, there's that thing inside of us that's like, man, I wanna be that way. I mean, sometimes people are like, I, I, I want to be more generous. Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I wish my company did that or I wish my family did that. I want to be more generous. And here's the practical response to that is you can. You can be more generous. Any one of us can be more generous because there's a difference between just giving and being generous. Anybody can be more generous. But here's the caveat. We have to plan to do so. Generosity rarely happens by accident. And so when I talk about giving strategically, what I'm talking about is making a plan to say, you know what? I want to be that kind of person that's a generous person. I want to be somebody that gives not just spontaneously, but gives ongoing because it's that ongoing, sustainable, predictable giving that makes it possible for us to do all kinds of things around here. I mean, it would boggle your mind to know that it takes about $11,000 a month just to keep the lights on around here. It would boggle your mind to think about all the little things that add up to making sure we're able to love preschoolers and children really well week in and week out. That we're able to continue to develop in our student ministry and, and broaden the impact into our community. It's through the week in, week out strategic giving that we're able to build something that's really sustainable. I love, again, what this says in Isaiah, that generous people plan to do generous things and they stand on their generosity. And so for me, my personal story is I grew up in a home that had that scarcity mentality. I looked around at my family, my extended family, the people around me, and I saw a lot of scarcity kind of thinking where, where everything came from God and God gave us enough, but we consumed it all. And then when we got empty, we consumed even more. And it started to cycle, 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 cycle. I've seen it, not just in my family. I've seen it in people close to our family where they still feel empty and they feel like there's just not enough. But one of the things I'm really grateful for is when I was in middle school, I started volunteering to serve at my home church. And so one of the things I started, I'm sort of a tech nerd. I'm not really a sports guy. I'm more of a tech nerd. And so early on, even in middle school, I started running sound at church. So I would show up and I'd push the faders and turn the knobs and all of this. And because of that, I was around great preaching and great teaching all the time. I mean, I, I was at hundreds of weddings. I was at dozens of funerals. I, I've been in, I ran sound for thousands of services through middle school, high school, and part of college. And I'll never forget, it was a normal, typical Sunday. Honestly, I had low expectations. Like, it's just a normal, routine day. And I showed up at church to run sound, and we had a guest preacher come in. And he talked about being strategic in your giving. And he gave a simple formula. This isn't very, um, uh, this isn't very heady. This isn't very sophisticated. But he's like, here's a way to think about your money. And again, I'd grown up around scarcity thinking. I'd grown up seeing the stress within my family 
of scarcity thinking. And he said, here's a simple formula. It's not weighty. It's not heady. It's not very complicated. He said, if all you bring in is considered 100%, I'm like, I got that, right? I, I, I can track with that. So 100%. He said, when that money comes in, think of it based on percentages, He said, what if when you got all of your income, you said, all right, here's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going to set aside that first 10% to give towards God's work. Now, again, I grew up with scarcity mindset. I was thinking, are you kidding me? Right? You start, shouldn't that be the leftover? Shouldn't that be? And he was like, no, 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 no. You start with generosity. You're like, everything I have came from God. And so the first that I give, I'm going to give back to God. He said, so if you got 100%, the first 10%, give that to God and God's work. He said, then the second 10%, you need to save for the future. He's like, whether you plan for it or not, there's going to be an emergency. Whether you plan for it or not, there's going to be something that comes up that you didn't expect. And so instead of being shocked by it, plan for it. So the first 10%, give towards God's work. The second 10%, Save for the future, whether you call that an emergency fund, a 401k, whatever, under your mattress, wherever you want to do that, right? First 10% God, second 10% savings, third 10%, if you have any kind of debt, he's like, use that third 10% to pay towards car notes or whatever that is for you. And that leaves you with how much? 70%, right? I'm grateful I grew up before all this newfangled math is going on around here, right? So I got that 70%. He's like, then live off of the 70%. Man, I, I, I know that many of you have more sophisticated ways of handling finances, but I'm telling you that one simple lesson changed that mentality in our home. We're able to be more strategic. And we've seen that within our church. I mean, in the first service, I looked over and I saw a family within our church that, man, when they first came to Christ, they weren't hardly giving anything. And then they're like, hey, we want to begin to give more. We want to live more generously. We want to give, we want to give. And so the husband in the home said, I want to figure this out. So he got a spreadsheet out. He got real nerdy about it. He got a spreadsheet out. He's like, here's all of our income. Here's all of our expenses. Here's the little bit we can spare. And I don't remember what the number was, but it was a, a single digit percentage. He's like, it's like 2% or whatever that was. And he built an intentional game plan so that over time they kept upping that percentage and their goal, their goal was that one day they would give more to their church than they spent on their own housing. And because they were strategic, they made that happen. That's not normal. Normal is scarcity. Normal is, here's what most people think. Most people think, well, if I had more money, I would be more generous. But the stats show that that's not true at all. In fact, what begins to happen when you look at Gallup polls is the more people make, the less percentage-wise they actually give. And so when we talk about living lives with open hands, this isn't about how much is in your checkbook. This isn't how much is in your bank because that's really a sliding scale. In fact, part of what Gallup discovered is that when you talk about being rich, what most people consider rich is two times whatever they currently make. So again, it's always a sliding scale. So if you make 25,000 a year, rich is 50,000 a year. Or if you make 50,000 a year, rich is 100,000 a year. Or if you make 100, then rich is 200. Or if you're part of a company that clears a million dollars a year, you're like, well, if I just had 2 million. See, it's a sliding scale. So it's not about the number, it's about the strategy behind it. In fact, we've seen this even more, um, more close to home, Laura. Uh, isn't in the service, so I can pick on her. So y'all don't tell her I talked about my wife, Laura. Um, but a couple years ago, 
her company introduced a new bonus kind of uh, incentive. And I, I, I don't remember all the, the ins and outs of it, but basically if she met certain criteria once a quarter, she'd be eligible for bonus. And so she's telling me about this. I'm like, man, this is awesome. I love your company. And in my mind, I'm starting to think about, man, I saw this deal on Amazon, right? And I'm an Amazon Prime member, so it could be here in two days, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking about, here's all the things that we could do, right? Here's these things that I've delayed buying. Here's these things that we could do. And so as, as my mind is racing about, hey, we've got a bonus coming four times a year, she says, and so I was thinking, fellas, that's a warning sign right there. She's like, I was thinking, since we weren't planning on this income, what if we gave it away to a ministry or a mission opportunity if I get this bonus every time? So I did what every good husband does. I was like, that's exactly what I was thinking as well. (laughs) And because of her thinking strategically, from a generous mindset, we've been able to be part of some ministry opportunities that otherwise we wouldn't have been a part of. I'm just saying, man, there's something about planning for it. There's something about saying, man, we're going to be generous people. And the way that you're generous isn't by making more money. It's by doing what is generous. So number one, it starts with giving spontaneously, right? I, I, I can't meet every need. I can't give every need, but, but I can do this thing. I can meet this need. Then number two, it begins to become more strategic. It becomes more predictable. That's why I I think it's so amazing that so many people give through the app now. There's a lot of folks that have set up recurring giving and, and, and maybe that doesn't seem like a big deal to you, but for us, as we're making ministry plans and we're given all of these opportunities to expand what we're involved in, it helps us know what we can we can do, what we can say yes to. It's amazing to begin to think strategically. Right? And to be honest with you, most of the giving that Laura and I do fall into this bucket. We do have some money that we give spontaneously, but what we've done over time is we've found a few strategic things that we want to give to. And that may be different than what you give to. I don't know what's on your heart, but for us, we, we wish we could say yes to everything, but there's a handful of things we feel like we're called to do. So number one, give sporadically. Right? Number two, give strategically. And then the last one, number three, is to give sacrificially. One of my favorite places in scripture that talks about sacrificial giving is found in Mark chapter 12. And let me just read this to you and I'll just make some comments about it. But listen to Mark 12. And if you've been around church, you've probably heard this before. But in Mark 12, it says, and he sat down. So this is talking about Jesus. So he's at this church kind of service. And he sat down opposite the treasury And he watched people putting their money into the offering box. To me, that's a little awkward. To me, that's a little bit awkward. But Jesus is literally sitting across the table from people as they're giving. And he's watching what they're giving. Why would he do that? Because what we give is often a reflection of our hearts. And so he's watching this, he's watching this, watching this. And listen to what it says in verse 41. Many rich people put in large sums of money. Many rich people put in large sums of money. Verse 42, and a poor widow came and she put in two small copper coins, which make about a penny. So you see this massive contrast. Rich people put in lots of money. This older widow comes up with just a little bit, barely a penny. 
Verse 43. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow, listen to this, has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. Now the practical side of me is like, what? I mean, Jesus, are you fuzzy on the math? Do you not have your iPhone out with the little calculator app? What's the deal? And Jesus said, no, 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 no. This poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Well, how could you say that? Verse 44, for they all contributed out of their abundance. Jesus is like, they, didn't, they don't even miss it. They didn't even know what was there. Right? They've got so much that it didn't even phase them. Jesus says in verse 44, they gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. She gave out of her poverty. She has put in everything that she had and all she had to live on. Jesus is like, she gave everything. So not only did Jesus sit down and watch what people were giving, but when this poor widow comes up and gives everything that she has, she let, he let her do it. There's part of me that thinks as a good pastor, I would stop somebody in that situation. I'd be like, I, I appreciate the thought that you want to give everything that you have, but, but, but you've got needs to take care of. No, no, no. Jesus did not rob her of that blessing. In fact, he celebrated her sacrifice. She gave until it hurts. Man, I've heard stories like this. I've heard stories like this within our own church. Most recently, it's probably about two months ago, I came into the office on a Monday and on my desk was this card and there's nothing with it. It was just, just the card. And so I didn't really know the context yet. And so I opened the card and a family had written a card to the church. And each family member had written in the card. And in the card, when they turned it in, they turned it in in one of the offering baskets at the end of the service. And so it eventually made its way to my desk. And when I read this card, when they turned it in, there was a few, there's a little bit of money in there. And I started reading the note from each family member. And I, remember, I don't remember which family member wrote this part of the note, but they said, we wish we could give more. And basically they're apologizing. I'm sorry, this isn't very much. I wish we could give more, but this is all we have. Now I gotta be honest. I'm grateful for how generous our church is, but man, there was something about that note that caused my heart to beat out of my chest. And it made me ask the question, when was the last time we did that? When was the last time you were able to receive a massive blessing because you've given so sacrificially? One of the things that most people don't know about the comedian Jeff Foxworthy is that for the last 10 years or so, Jeff has volunteered downtown at the Atlanta Mission. And when he started volunteering at the Atlanta Mission, he was approached and was asked, hey, would you lead a Bible study just for some guys? So these are guys that were selected in the program. They lived there basically for a year and it's this opportunity to rehabilitate them and help them not to live back on the streets again. And so Jeff is like, am I the best option to lead a Bible study? So he ends up leading this Bible study. And so nine or 10 years later, this Bible study grows from about 12 guys to like 250 guys. 
And so last year, Jeff is talking to the leadership down there, and he says, these guys have been receiving so much, they need to learn how to be generous as well. And so his idea was, hey, let's give all of these guys a crisp, brand new $50 bill. And immediately the leadership sees all these red flags. Well, what if they take it and they go back on the street and they buy more drugs and they get up back in the cycle? You know, and so it's all this worst case scenario. And over time, after talking to the team, they're like, no, this is what we need to do. So, so they did that. So Thanksgiving a year ago, they gave all of these guys a brand new crisp $50 bill. And he's like, when I gave it out, you start hearing these people say, now I can travel to be with my family for Thanksgiving. Now I can buy new clothes. Now I can. And they're, they're making all of these plans. And then he stops them and says, hey, you could spend this money on whatever you want to, but I want to let you know. And then he started listing off needs within their own community. School kids that don't have the supplies they need, families that are going hungry. He's like, as you guys have been in this program and you're living in comfort now, there are people that aren't as fortunate. He's like, you can use that money for whatever you want to, but we're going to match whatever you decide to give to these causes. And every single one of these homeless guys put their $50 bills in the bucket. In fact, many of them went back to their rooms and they scrounged for whatever little change that they had and whatever little daughter dollars they had laying around and they brought it back and they're like, we want to give. I think that's amazing. See, the scarcity mindset is, well, it does come from God, but it's meant for me to consume. And then once I consume it, I still feel empty. And when I feel empty, I think I just need to consume more, but then I feel even emptier. And then I consume more. And then I feel the way that you break that cycle isn't by consumption. The way that we break the cycle of greed isn't by more stuff. The way that we break it is by opening our hands and saying, God, would you help me to be generous? Why would we do that? Because God gave everything for us. And so we wanna say, God, we'll give anything. We'll give everything for other people to know you. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Would you close your eyes? I wanna invite you to pray with me this morning. And just so I know how to pray, Is there anybody in here this morning that said, Bobby, as you pray, pray for me because I want to be a more generous person. Again, that's not really a dollar figure. It's not a a number figure. It's really a posture of saying, I'm going to start where I'm at. I'm going to start with what I have. I want to open my hands and I want to be a generous person. If that's you and you would allow me to pray for you with nobody else looking around, nobody moving around, you just be honest and say, Bobby, would you pray for me that God would help me to be that kind of, I want to be that kind of person. If that's you, would you just quietly slip your hand straight up in the air, straight up in the air? So I know how to pray for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. That we would be the kind of people that say, because of what he did, this is what we do. Of course we're going to be generous. Of course. Of course we're going to sacrifice. Of course. There are other path projects that need to happen. There's other students that need to be reached. There's other families that are, of course, because of what he did, this is what we do. So we pray, would you pray this part of the prayer with me? Dear Jesus, would you help me to be even more generous? Jesus, would you help me to be the kind of person that gives spontaneously? Help me to be the kind of person that gives strategically. 
God, would you help me to even be the kind of person that would give sacrificially? Because everything I have comes from you. As we continue praying, if there's anybody that would say, Bobby, as you pray, pray for me. I'm not sure that I know Jesus like that. I'm not sure there's ever been a moment that I've received his free gift. I'm not sure there's ever been a moment that my heart's been changed. And you just say, Bobby, I, I, would you pray for me? I, I, I don't, I'm not sure I know him like that, but I know I need to. If that's you and you'd allow me to pray for you, would you do the same thing just very quietly, very reverently, just slip your hands straight up in the air. You just say, Bobby, pray for me. I'm not sure I've ever been saved. I'm not sure I've ever put my faith in Jesus. If you're watching online, you can shoot us a, drop us an email. If that's you, would you pray this part of the prayer with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you that you're alive today. And as best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and save me. Would you do in me what only you can do? Father, I thank you that I get to serve in such a generous church. Thank you that I get to be a part of such a generous people. Thank you for how you've placed so many causes and so many needs in our hearts. Help us to be wise about that. Help us to be involved in what you said to reach people here at home and around the world. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm so thrilled you're here today. As we continue worshiping, I'm gonna invite our team that's gonna help us to receive our offering. If you don't mind, go ahead and make your way in place. And as they're doing that, I wanna encourage you about a couple of things. One is ladies. Ladies, can I get your attention just for a second? If you're a lady and you haven't signed up for Simply Christmas yet, you are missing out. So uh, we opened registration just a couple of weeks ago. It's starting to fill up. Every year, this room gets packed out with beautiful tables, wonderful meal, great conversations and powerful just word of encouragement. And so registration's still open while there's still space. So if you haven't signed up yet, you can head out straight out into the lobby. There's a table with a little sign next to it that says Simply Christmas. The cost is something like $20 per person. Or if you wanna go out on faith and say, I wanna buy a whole table, you can save money doing that. And then fill that table with friends, with coworkers, with acquaintances, that you feel like could be could use a little encouragement this season. So if you haven't done that yet, guys, if you're a guy, if you're a husband, let me get your attention just for a second. This would be a great night to bless your wife and say, I've got the kids. We're gonna binge watch something on Netflix with our buffering internet. I thought it'd be funnier than it was, but go back here. Yes, thank you. I need a recording of you saying that. This would be a great night to bless your wife and to say, I would love for you to go and enjoy this with your friends. So sign up for that today. Also, let me tell you about a couple other things and we'll pray for our offering. And then we've got a powerful song that I wanna make sure we hang out for and we sing together. But one other thing is on Saturday, our city has their tree lighting ceremony just across the street. And Sugar Hill Worship's gonna be part of that. And so if you don't have plans yet, I'd love to invite you to be part of all things Sugar Hill. So go to the City of Sugar Hill Facebook page and check out because we've got a lot of great things going on all month long, but next Saturday the second, then on Sunday the third, I already mentioned O Night Divine, three and six o'clock, powerful, powerful evening. So much good stuff going on. 
As we pray for our offering today, I'll tell you about one other opportunity and then we'll pray. And that is many of you raised your hands last week and helped sponsor 250 kids for Christmas. We think that's pretty awesome. Some of you have been coming back and saying, hey, the, yeah, 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 go for it. Some of you actually came back and said, hey, I thought you'd be doing that for several weeks. And we're like, you showed up so big the first week, all of those are gone. But what we do know is that every year more families show up that we would love to be able to help. And so if you weren't able to sponsor a child last week, but you still wanna be part of that, I wanna encourage you, you see it in your bulletin, but I wanna encourage you to pick up some $25 or $50 gift cards. And they could be to like Kroger, Publix, Walmart, they could be gas cards, they could be gift cards, whatever you wanna do with that. But if we could have a bank of $25 and $50 cards, we would be able to say yes to even more families. And so if you've got any questions about that, you can head out to one of the tables in the lobby and ask Susan and her team about it. But let me just say again and again, thank you for how generous you are. It's in times of giving like this that I often think about strategic giving because it's what we give week in and week out that helps us be able to say yes to more ministry and more mission. So if you've already given, thanks for doing that. But if you haven't given yet, what a great opportunity to say, hey, I maybe can't give all that I wanted to, but I'm gonna start somewhere and I'm gonna give to something that makes a difference. Father, thank you for this morning and just for how practical your word is. Would you help us to be a generous people that live lives with open hands? Help us to break the cycle of not enough with you've given us more than enough. Father, we give this time of giving to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. As these baskets are coming by, this last song is not a walkout song. This is a worship song. This is a powerful song that we introduced a few weeks ago. And so even if you don't know the words, they're gonna be on the screen before you leave today. Let's worship, let's lift up these words together.